For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Off and running on a Friday afternoon. It's Sharp Money, VSIN, the sports betting network. I'm Dustin Sweetelson hanging out with Amal Shaw, who just found out as the Open was playing that the show was starting because he is not happy with the Kentucky Wildcats. We'll touch on that in just a little bit here. Want to set you up for what we have going on today on the program. Uh, about an hour away, Andy Staples on 3.com's college football reporter. He also hosts a show for them as well, Andy Staples on 3. Going to check in from Los Angeles. We'll look at all the bowl happenings in college football, but also preview the playoff on Monday because I know everyone's looking to get their bets in maybe before some line movement hits us. Uh, about 5 o'clock Eastern time, Will Hill. VEASAN contributor, betting analyst, one of the sharpest guys around. He's going to step in because Mike Somich is unavailable due to uh, the Southwest Airlines and uh, their moving flights. And speaking of flights, Amal Shah, who is not locked in on what I'm saying right now. I am. Quite, it's a commercial. Had quite a 20, not even 12-hour run with, uh, with airlines. So after the show ended yesterday, and don't worry, we'll get to the football. Joe Flacco should be the MVP. I'll explain why in a minute. Like, relax. Trust me. You don't want to miss that. This is better. Amal Shah decided, because it's the end of the year, and he didn't want to lose his status on a certain airline, that yesterday after the show... No, this morning. Oh, this morning, before the show, he flew to Los Angeles to earn a certain number of miles so that he can remain a certain status at a certain airline, and then flew back on the same day just to whatever platinum, gold, whatever he is. Amal Shah is still that for this airline because he took one flight this morning. Can you please explain what you did today? Yeah, I needed, I needed 400 miles, so I flew to L.A. this morning at 6 o'clock, and I flew back to get my mileage, and I'm here I am coming to this Kentucky debacle. So, okay, so, I mean, Kentucky could have paid for that flight, right? I could have paid for the flight, but more importantly, <laughs> just, you know, it's the emotional aspect, right? Like, now we got to sit here and watch Notre Dame 
We're not as excited about Memphis, Iowa State. I'm no, it's a Memphis, Iowa State's a tough one. We'll break it down a little bit because I I want to place a bet on it, but I don't have anything that jumps out to me. Maybe the over. Maybe you could talk me into it. We'll, we'll, we'll look at the, the bowl games in a little bit. But first, we need to look back at what happened last night, Amal, because the Cleveland Browns, 37 to 20 winners. The game goes over in the first half. Cleveland alone dropped 34 in the first half. Uh, just this run from the Browns, Joe Flacco, Kevin Stefanski, and honestly, a bunch of scrubs because there was no Amari Cooper out there yesterday. What a performance. Uh, Cleveland has clinched a spot in the playoffs with the win last night. They remain in contention in the AFC North, and they actually have a shot at the number one seed in the AFC. Who would have thunk it when you look at everything they've gone through this year? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously they're going to need a lot to happen. The Ravens would have to lose both games. Sure. Uh, they've got the Dolphins and the Steelers on deck. But um, what I can dream. Yeah, what a performance by this team this year. I mean, it's really unbelievable. They're sitting at 11 and 5. Who would have thought they would have two more wins than the Kansas City Chiefs through uh, 15 and a half weeks because the Chiefs haven't played yet? But still, incredible job. Joe Flacco coming off his couch. Kevin Stefanski's done a great job. Think about this. I thought this team's season was done not because of Deshaun Watson, but because Nick Chubb goes down. We know how good of a running back he is. And then you've had injuries on the offensive line. This team has really stepped up in a variety of different ways. They scored 34 points in the first half. Now, they did only put up three points in the second half yesterday, but still a dominant performance to beat the Jets by 17. And I think people should make note of this game for one other reason. The Jets are out of it. Their defense oh, yeah. would never give up 28 points and a half if they were really playing for something. This is a team right now out of contention, and you see it based on the performance. Yeah, and I think I think that's a, a, a piece that we can carry over into the weekend, right? Looking at some teams yeah. that you may want to fade because they might have similar mindsets, especially for, for the franchises that thought they were postseason bound this year heading into the year. When it, the, the season's so disappointing, they're just looking for it to end. So if, you can, if you're laying points against a team like that, depending on the number, uh, we could find some spots this weekend where that might make Kentucky. sense for you. So Kentucky back on, well, what's the score now? 27-27. Uh, but here, please finish your thought, and then I want to, I've got a lot of rants to go he's, on. Please. He's not happy. Amal Shaw's not happy on a Friday. It's Friday. I mean, you got a job, but. I, listen, so I covered the Big 12 for about 10 years, and Oklahoma's kind of like my pseudo team, and even though you and I had Arizona last night, to me, you like to win games. Like, we got lucky with Arizona. For sure. And we have to be, I told you this morning, what did I say? No complaints this weekend about getting unlucky on any plays, right? Yeah. I mean, it was coaching that lost the game. How, how about putting a safety? This guy's just, I mean, it was like Clemson. I'm watching this play here. And he's like literally, as long as the guy keeps his balance on the catch, he could crawl into the end zone. Obviously, in college, you'd be down, but you get the point sure. of what I'm trying to make. It's just unbelievable some of the ineptitude you see in coaching out here. Three plays, 75 yards, and 33 seconds for Big Blue. All right, well, do you know who's not inept at coaching? It's Kevin Stefanski. You're right he, about that. We, we finally have major movement in the coach of the year market. That's one of the biggest things we were waiting for all year on this show, like from the very start. Not just because Patrick hate, is a self-hating Lions fan and can't stand Dan Campbell, uh, but Dan Campbell being the favorite, as long as he was such a heavy favorite, obviously just because the books were taking a ton of money them all. Kevin Stefanski is now your favorite for Coach of the Year. Campbell moves to the second shot at 3-1. to one. Stefanski is minus 275. Minus 275. When you factor in everything Stefanski did this year, no Watson. And by the way, Watson stunk when he was there. So not only was Watson hurt, but then when Watson did play, he wasn't very good anyway. Uh, no Nick Chubb out for the year. Lost both offensive tackles. They grabbed Joe Flacco and the coaching job to get Joe Flacco off his couch and to, to go 4-1 and one, where he looks like, honestly, I don't remember Joe Flacco ever looking this good. I, 
You know, I was not the biggest Joe Flacco fan. We knew he had great arm strength when he was in Baltimore. Was he it Raheem Moore or Raheem Brock who misplayed that ball for the uh, Broncos in that game against uh, the Ravens in the playoffs in Denver? And I thought the, the Ravens benefited that. They end up going on and winning the Super Bowl. But he's been a different player. There just seems like an, a, kind of a mindset with him like, you know what? I'm 38 years old. This is last chance saloon. It's time to just throw the ball, get out there and do whatever I can and go for it. Yeah, he looks like he's playing very comfortably, nothing to lose. It's one last shot, like all the cliches, leave it all on the table, right? Leave it all on the line. Uh, I, I think this is a different show. We've never seen Joe Flacco look this comfortable throwing the ball. And I think a lot of that goes to Stefanski. Flacco obviously gets a lot of credit. But now you've got the Browns with two favorites and two betting markets for the awards. Flacco is now, oh, I'm sorry, he's not a favorite. He's the second shot on the board. Uh, he's even money, though for comeback player of the year, Joe Flacco. See, part of the problem with this betting market is what distinguishes a comeback player of the year? Is it a guy who performed poorly, hadn't played, come back from injury, so many other things? Yeah, no, it's, look, I think a lot of us from the betting world always viewed the market as if DeMar Hamlin plays a snap, he wins the award. He literally died on the field a year ago. But I think as the season has gone on, you needed a, a real underdog, like a real jump out Disney movie style performance if someone else was going to dethrone him. And I, I still don't know if Flacco can, because when you look at some of the options in the market, like Tua coming back, I understand the concussions and how scary it is, but there was no shot he was going to figure out a way to crawl back into the award. Matthew Stafford, sure, but the Rams were going to have to be like a, a, a two or three seed for that to happen. Lamar, no. T.J. Watt, no. Gardner Minshew, no. It needed something special. Now, I think Baker Mayfield made a strong case, but he's not quite carrying the team the way Joe Flacco is. I think the story of Joe Flacco mid-year coming in to save the day, where it looked like the season was done, everyone was writing off the Browns, him turning them around, I think that story is big enough to give DeMar Hamlin a run for his money here. I would agree with you. To me, it's the performance on the field. You've got to give Flacco a ton of credit. You see it reflected in the number right now. And i tell you what, uh, Baker Mayfield is a guy who's, who should have gotten consideration, but the way Flacco has played, it's hard to put him in that conversation. But remember, Baker's got a chance to win the division. I know it's in yeah. the worst division in football, but you still have to give him credit for what possibly could be happening as uh, Clemson returns the kickoff uh, to the Kentucky 30-yard line. Can, can I trigger you, though, on the Joe Flacco discussion real yeah. quick? Why is he not the MVP? Like, in a year, when we look at the MVP market and Lamar Jackson's currently the favorite at, at minus 190, explain to me how Joe Flacco isn't more valuable to the Cleveland Browns based on everything I listed off. No Nick Chubb, all-pro running back. No, missing both offensive tackles. Deshaun Watson, out. P.J. Walker, gone. DTR, done. They turn it over to Flacco. They go 4-0 or 4-1. He's completing 60% of his passes, 323 yards per game, 13 touchdowns, eight, eight interceptions. They look better than they ever have all year long. And they're potentially in the mix for the one seed after losing all of those pieces. How is Joe Flacco not in the conversation for most valuable player? I see a lot of names listed for MVP. I can't find Joe Flacco listed anywhere. Brock Purdy's 12-1. Two is 10 to 1. Josh Allen's 8 to 1. C-Mac is 5 to 1. And Lamar is minus 190. Tell me who blows you away at MVP that Joe Flacco doesn't deserve to be in the mix. Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco has played how many games? 
I, there's no rules on that. I didn't say there are. Just I'm asking the question. Five. Yeah, that's exactly why. Where is this team without Joe Flacco? Well, what are they sitting at? 11 and five. Yes. At worst, they're okay. So let's say Joe Flacco doesn't perform in any of the games. Maybe they're six and 11. I mean, six and uh, sorry, six and 10. But the reality of it is, this is still an elite defensive team. This is a team that's got pieces on the perimeter. Amari uh, Cooper's done a great job. We saw what he did in Houston last week. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. We talked about uh, uh, Emerson. Uh, he's already got three or four interceptions on the season. You know, guys have stepped up on this team. Delpit got hurt, but Ronnie Hickman had a pick six last night. Flacco's done a great job. But let's not lose sight of the fact that there's a good team around him. It's not like he's going to Baltimore and carrying that team. All of these guys have good teams around him. Lamar has a great defense. Christian McCaffrey has the great system and all the weapons on the outside and a great defense. Josh Allen has a legit number one receiver and a team that's been through it time and time again. Two has got a great scheme and arguably the real MVP on the team is the receiver he throws to. Purdy, we all know the story there. Tyree Kill, he's only a receiver. All I'm saying is Joe Flacco absolutely he may not, he's not going to win the award. You can't bet on him, luckily, because I'd lose a lot of money doing it. When we talk about the term value, he is the most valuable player to a team right now in the NFL. By the way, uh, Kate Klubnick is not getting any better. He just threw another hospital ball. All right, we'll get into more bowl games coming up. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but with all that anxious energy, they just won't go to sleep. This was my kids every night. But I did find that stories calmed their mind and gave them something to focus on. So six years ago, I created the kids' podcast, Bedtime History, to help solve that problem. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. We have episodes about Jackie Robinson, Neil Armstrong, Maya Angelou, and Sacagawea. Episodes also include topics like space exploration, engineering, the rise and fall of civilizations, and major events like the Civil Rights Movement and the Transcontinental Railroad. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. This week, join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out... F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast, you find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. 
I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Pop. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Some trouble, some trouble with Kentucky, but some drama coming up on the show. Looking to bet smarter? The VSIN has the perfect holiday gift for you. Sign up for our holiday special today. You'll get VSIN Pro access to everything we do from now through May 1st for just $79. Sign up today and you'll get unlimited access to our daily best bets, exclusive betting splits, premium analysis, and of course, 24 7 video. Plus, all our betting guides and best bets for all the bowl games, Super Bowl, March Madness, and more. Don't miss out on this limited time holiday offer. It's at vsin.com slash subscribe. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. It's Sharp Money, vsin, the sports betting network. Dustin Sweetelson and Amal Shah, who during the break was not happy. He's not, not, not with me, not about Joe Flacco for MVP. He's moved on. He's not happy with Kentucky because he is sweating a money line play, I believe $1.45 on the Wildcats. We're up big here and have totally collapsed in the second half. What is this the Gator Bowl? Yeah, it's, it's the, the Gator, Gator Bowl. Bowl. They've given up 20 points in the fourth quarter. But, you know, the funny thing is he just clumps and nails about a 50-52 yard field goal, hits the crossbar. If it was half a foot back, the kick, it's no good. Well, the positive is there's 4.20 left in the game. They got three timeouts. You have three timeouts. And you're rain. down two. And you just need a field goal, and you have the ball. But for some reason, I guess Clemson's not aware that you're allowed to play defense. Kentucky just hit a 75-yard oh. play. Oh, we're still going. Looks like a tight end. He's going towards the end zone. I think he's going to be down at the one. Here's my question. How do these guys always get tripped up at the one? The one is there like a magic line there that we don't see? I think it's like when it feels real, you might slow up a little bit, not like unintentionally. Subconsciously, well, he was carrying a piano. <laughs> so, all right, you're in a good spot here now with with, hey, with Kentucky. Hey, you listen. feel a little bit better. No, you got to execute the ball. Take Klubnik's the other quarterback. The ball's the three yard line. Doesn't mean you can't fumble. How many times have he's we seen? not scoring a touchdown? You Can, punch it in here. Kate uh, this is Ray not Davis responding. three straight plays. And Ray Davis got, oh, God, he's got, he's got good elusiveness. Gets down to the half-yard line there. But you, this is where you take the clock. By the way, this is bad clock management. Yes. By double. you got to call your timeouts here. You have to use here. your timeouts here. You want as much time on the other I, end. Of let me way. ask you a question. Why do these coaches think if you, don't, if you use your timeouts with under two minutes to go, it's efficient, but if you use it at the four-minute mark or the six-minute mark, it's no good? Well, at the end of the day, you're still saving the same time. They can't get a first down here unless it's a penalty by you. 
Yeah, and we saw it yesterday with Cristobal in Miami. They had a chance late, and because they didn't use their timeouts on the other side, they only had 25 seconds to work with with their timeouts. You'd rather have more time with the way the clock stops on, on first downs than you would holding those timeouts over for 25 seconds. Yeah, I disagree with you, though. Cristobal was the only guy on the flight back to Miami that still had two timeouts in his pocket. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Get a good deal on them on the black market. <laughs> I mean, what are you kidding me? You and I were watching the game saying the same thing after the show yesterday. What is this guy doing? Ray Davis gets into the end zone uh, Kentucky will go for two. Are you concerned they didn't use more clock? No, it's 239. They got to go the distance. Now you make them go the distance here. It, look, bottom line is you got to get a stop. But again, another three play driving 75 yards against Clemson's defense. But these coaches with the clock management, we saw in the Oklahoma game last night, they refused to run the ball. Gavin Sawcheck was having an awesome day, game. They're throwing it all around the yard like they're down by 17, yeah. and they're up by 11 points with an opportunity to go 14, potentially 18. And Dustin, Arizona, was left for dead. By the way, oh my God, Mark Stoops. Here we go, another idiot. He doesn't go for he two. He didn't go for two. Why would you just kick the extra point there at 34-30? To, why not make it 36-30? What does 35 do you? Yeah. Because if Clemson scores a touchdown, they're going for two. Yeah, well, yeah, because the, the way things have gone in the second half, I, I totally understand the decision. How about the ACC? Four and five right now in bowl games. The, the, if they lose this one, they'll be four and six. Just when you think about like the Pac-12 going away them all, it's like, why couldn't we just get rid of the ACC? I would have rather kept the Pac-12 and, and got rid of the ACC. I completely agree with you. I mean, we have so many nondescript teams in the ACC. By the way, quick update from El Paso. Touchdown Notre Dame. With Let's 20, go. 24 seconds remaining. It is 13-0 PAT pending for the Irish. I don't even know if Oregon State has crossed midfield so far so, today. I laid six with Notre Dame. It was on the VEASAN picks page, VEASAN.com slash picks. Amal's Kentucky play was there as well. Uh, he went money line. I laid the six on, on, on Notre Dame today. I just thought, look, no Jonathan Smith. Yep. You've got not just not the second quarterback, but the third, fourth quarterback for Oregon State. The backups at Notre Dame should be able to handle that. I understand, like, you have a lot of guys going to the draft. They're missing the offensive tackle. They're missing Estime, but And they're missing a bunch of receivers. But there's still Notre Dame, and that's still Oregon State that's had a mass exodus since Smith left in the transfer portal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that Jonathan Smith left is a big part of it. When you start to lose your head coach and your first and second string quarterback, one of the top running backs in college football in Martinez, he had suspended. a DUI. And so he was suspended. But all those things are a factor when you look at it, and it turned out to be just that in this particular matchup. So um, we'll see if Notre Dame, they should be able to pr probably hold on to this one pretty comfortably. But... Still a long way to go. All right. Well, there is a game coming up here later on this hour. I believe we're about 25 minutes away. The Liberty Bowl. Yeah. I feel like Liberty should be in the Liberty Bowl. But, but it's Iowa State and Memphis. Uh, two programs that I did not really bet on a lot during the year. Memphis was not like the gaudy Memphis I remember of like the Mike Norvell era. And for Iowa State, it was a bit of a rebuild with a couple of, leaning on a couple freshmen on the offensive side of the football. Uh, first with Memphis. Uh, offense was better than I thought, but I think that a lot of that is playing bad AAC defenses. 39-7 points per game. That was 7th in the country. 10th in the nation in points per play. 20th in total yards. 13th passing attack. Only 77th rushing. 19th on third downs, which is awesome. Quarterback Seth Hennigan threw for 3,500 yards. 28 touchdowns. 66% completion percentage. Uh, and they ran the ball well. 4.6 yards per pop as a team. Blake Watson is their top guy. Cleared 1,000 yards on the year. But Memphis was not a team I was really dialed in on this year, Amal. Were you? Well, I paid attention to them because my friend uh, Bill Cramsey, his brother Tim, is the offensive coordinator for Memphis. 
done a tremendous job this year. And I'll tell you what, the balance was the key with this team. You mentioned Watson, what he was able to do over 1,000 yards rushing. Uh, this is a team that's balanced through the air as well. They had five guys that had at least 30 catches. That's pretty impressive when you think about it at the college level. So uh, Hennigan's done a nice job. On the flip side, Rocco Beck, the young quarterback, the name yeah. obviously familiar. His father, Anthony Beck, was the uh, tight end for the New York Jets for a long time. Uh, but they did a nice job this year in being competitive. I, th I thought their best performance was the game against Kansas State. They go on the road to Manhattan. They win that game 42-35. to What's interesting in that game was they had all big plays, 71-77 um, in that game, 79. Just huge plays in the snow there. Let's see if they can continue those big plays against um, uh, excuse me, against Memphis in this game, whose defense, they got rid of their defensive coordinator. Yeah. So an opportunity here against a defense that isn't great. I think the number's sitting at 10.5, 58.5. I feel like this game is going to be high scoring. That's over was my lean. I, I, I thought the over, I wasn't going to lay 10 with Iowa State, and I wasn't going to take the 10 with, with Memphis, even though it's weird that a team with such prolific offensive numbers like Memphis is catching 10 points. Uh, but when I looked at it from the Iowa State thing, I thought there was a chance that they could cover the number because you've got Becht and Sama, the running back, who's coming off 276 out of 610 yards on the year versus K-State in the final game. Yeah. Um, I thought because those two freshmen are trying to build things for this for this uh, program, try to get things going in a different direction, take things up a notch, they were going to be dialed in, but I just couldn't end up laying it. I, me, for show purposes, not an official play, I'll bet the over and hope that the lean was right. Well, I agree with you. Have you seen any weather issues? I don't think there are any that I'm aware of in Memphis today in the Liberty Bowl. And remember, this is a home game for the Tigers. Yeah, they, this is where they play, so an opportunity here for them. The, to me, I'm sorry, it's not actually their home stadium, but obviously their yeah, home yeah, city. Yeah, But, um, you know, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. You've got an Iowa State team that hasn't been great defensively, and you've got a Memphis team that's been prolific offensively. So... Uh, this should be a fun, interesting watch for sure. Uh, let's see some weather. Nope, looks like we're, we're going to be clear today. Yeah, uh, it may have already rained, but it's cloudy, 39 degrees in Memphis right now. Well, you know, look, we're in December here at the end of the year, so you expect it to be cold. But once you get out there, the cold really isn't much of a factor. All right, show purposes. We're going to put a little money on the over 58 Liberty Bowl, Memphis and Iowa State. Uh, let's see what else. Oh. We're going to save this game for later, the Cotton Bowl. Yep. Missouri and Ohio State, we'll discuss that coming back. Before we do that, though, want to touch on an angle coming up for tomorrow with Wyoming. You've got Wyoming and Toledo. I don't even know the name of the bowl game. I'll get it for you momentarily. I don't, I don't look at the it's bowl the games. the Arizona Bowl. What is it? The Arizona Bowl. Oh, the Arizona Bowl where you have Wyoming and Toledo. Yeah, this is going to be a huge sellout there uh down in Tucson, so, playing at U of A. What, this is one of those deals where during the bowl season, I will go back to teams that were good to me during the year. And Wyoming was a team that I was, I was good with a lot of the year. Now, I believe they opened as underdogs. They're now favorites. And I think the, the only angle I need, they have a really good running back in Whaley. Um, they have a good quarterback in Peasley. I didn't really, wasn't really locked in Toledo all year, but here's the only angle I need to, to place this bet and lay the points with Wyoming. Craig Bowl, their head coach, he is retiring at the end of the year. This is his final game leading the program. He's done an awesome job. They are sending him out with a win in the, as Amal said, the Arizona Bowl. I'll look it up if that, and can confirm it later, but I'm laying the points with Wyoming. 
I just don't think this Toledo team is that good. When you look at their uh, in their conference, the Mac was bad. The, the Mac was so bad, but they didn't play any of the upper echelon teams except Miami. They beat Miami, and Miami got them in the Mac championship game. So I'm with you. Great spot here. One other thing you mentioned, Craig Bowles' retirement. When Barry Alvarez was leaving Wisconsin, they were 10.5-point dogs against Auburn. Five minutes in, it was 14 nothing on Wisconsin, and they rolled. And I'm telling you right now, it's a good angle here. We'll break down the cotton ball on the other side. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Roll it on, hour three, sharp money, Visa in the Sports Betting Network. I'm Dustin Sweetelson, he's Amal Shaw. One more hour to go in our week here, getting you ready for all of the action across the board, college football, NFL, and I've got some NBA I'll run by you guys in a little bit here because I do have some prop bets that I don't want to get lost in the shuffle is that Friday final hour where we're looking at all the NFL games and giving out our plays. If you're just joining us, Notre Dame up 33-6, to six. six minutes to go in the fourth quarter in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Tony the Tiger, uh, one of the great cartoon serial characters of all time. Captain Crunch comes to mind. Um, the Tricks Bunny comes to mind as well. But I think Tony, t Tony the Tiger is the most superior of that group. By the way, I think they're going to reconsider their sponsorship. These Sun Bowls the last several years have been horrific. Yeah. Who was it last year? I don't remember. That's how bad it was. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, I laid six with Notre Dame this morning. Good they, for you. They are covering right now the backups versus the third stringers for Oregon State. Quite a, a fun experience bet there. Did you ever get down on Iowa State? Because it looks like they've crawled back here in the second. Yeah. Memphis went up 19-0. Iowa State owned the second quarter, outscoring them 13-0. We now have a six-point game with about 10 seconds to go in the first half. Uh, unfortunately, I missed it. I wish I would gotten it in. Uh, you know, you look at this Iowa State team, they've got a six-point lead. They're going to get the ball to start the second half. Now, Memphis is going to potentially attempt a field goal. I'm not sure where they're at near the end of the first half here with four seconds remaining. I think the ball is around the 30-yard line. So Memphis with an opportunity to add some points to this lead right now. Uh, but those are the kinds of plays, right? You were laying 10 and a half. If you've got Memphis, they make this field goal. You feel pretty good. You've got a nine-point lead plus nine, 10 and a half on the number. So you've got to get outscored by 21 in the second half. Speak uh, it into existence, Amal. Speak it into I'm existence for the that. Cyclone backers. I'm not saying that. I just think that you got to look at it realistically. I mean, this is a big play here. 49-yard field goal attempt is going to be coming up for the Memphis Tigers in a minute. All right, that is the Liberty Bowl. And then, of course, later on tonight, we still have the Cotton Bowl. Missouri and Ohio State, an SEC versus Big Ten matchup for everyone. Uh, I'm leaning towards Ohio State. I haven't quite gotten there yet. Amal didn't make me feel totally great about leaning that way. He is an Ohio State fan and grad. I thought he would be a little more... Um, we're confident in his guys. Well, if this were a game in the regular season, absolutely all day, five and a half. But until, you know, I want to make sure everybody's playing before you jump in on the Buckeyes here. All right. Well, a guy who's playing with us this week because Mike Samich is out normally in this spot. We just swapped out sharp guy for sharp guy. Will Hill checking in now. VSIN contributor, betting analyst. Bets everything across the world. I mean, if there is a sport, Will's on it. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? What's up, boys? I think you just called me like a fourth stringer, which is not that far from the truth. Well, no, like it's that these, this is normally someone else's spot that everyone knows. And if if 
that person's not available, you're the first phone call. But, but here's the thing, Will. It depends on where you're a fourth stringer. If you're a fourth stringer at Oregon State right now, it's not good. If you're a fourth stringer on the SI swimsuit model list, you're very good. It just depends on perspective. That's well put. That's I can tell one. you all three of us don't have a shot with the fourth stringer on the SI model <laughs> list. I know that much. <laughs> That's a fact. So, Will, I, I want to get into some of your thoughts on some of the games this weekend. But first, um, a couple things I want to talk about. College basketball. We haven't. I haven't done a lot. Amal's on a really good run in college hoops. How's the college basketball season treated you so far? Not bad. Once NFL and once the regular season ends, I should say, that means college football's over, NFL regular season over. I really start to dive in more because it's it's hard when you do NFL, college football, college basketball, NBA. I mean, there's just there's not enough hours in the day to do it all. So I play it here and there. I play some stuff live. I know uh, Kennesaw tonight is a game a lot of people are on. Indiana's got some injury issues. So that, that line moved. I think you can still get them plus 11 or so. That's one I, I think might be a good play. Um, how has it gone for you? Do you do you see anything future wise that that's worth betting? I did take a shot at UConn a couple weeks ago. I think they're 15 to one, something like that in that range. I don't see any reason they can't compete. Uh, I can't repeat. I know they're not the same team without Klingon. I, I totally understand that. Do, do you guys see any value in terms of like uh, a future out there right now? I, I, I took so far. I've taken a few. I've taken Connecticut. I've taken Kansas and um, I've got Kentucky. And those are the three teams that I think are dangerous. I would add Purdue into the mix. And then Arizona, I'm not completely sold on. But I have to be honest with you, outside of those five that I just listed, I don't think anybody else can win the national title. I think Florida Atlantic's a good team that can get to the Final Four. But I don't think they're good enough at the end of the day to beat these other teams. I don't see anybody from the ACC. Uh, I don't believe in Houston because the lack of offensive consistency. Defensively, they're still elite. But we'll find out more about them when we get into Big 12 play. Uh, Florida Atlantic 30 to 1 to win the title right now, Amal. You mentioned them. Uh, a team I wanted to get down on earlier in the year. They've shortened up a little since I last looked. So I don't know if I would. I'm not the biggest college hoops guy either, Will, by the way. I don't pay attention. I'm like the normal people that pay attention, like in when, you know, late April. Uh, I got to get my monster. Late February, early March rolls around. Creighton 20 to 1 was one I was thinking about doing. Uh, but I don't have a good feel for anything happening in college hoops. How about the bowl season? I was um, I was down on the bowl season to start, but I think that's because I lost that Old Dominion bet against Western Kentucky, and I think that put a sour taste in my mouth. I took a break for a little bit, came back, and maybe it's because I'm doing well on the games now. I've actually enjoyed the chaos of the bowl season. Where are you at with it right now? Uh, it's funny how that works. The games aren't that enjoyable when you're losing. It's, it's, so it's hard. I mean, it's uh, it's gone pretty well for me, but it's not. I mean, we know this. It's not the same with the transfer portal. It's, you know, and, and I really don't like the direction of college football with this, destroying these conferences, destroying the Pac-12, the college free agency. Basically, it's not the same sport. You're really hurting a lot of the tradition of it. Um, it, it's a lot like NFL preseason now. You're not even betting on the teams, the matchups. You just—it's it, a race to see who's playing. It's a race to information. Um, I, I think you know most people. Um, I'm like most people where I'm just picking my spots here and there, and, and taking it easy, finding you know things you like and attacking. But you don't have to bet every game. Uh, one that I do like, and I just I don't see how Florida State scores tomorrow. That game is, is tomorrow right against Georgia. Yeah. Uh, I think you turn that on, and you know what? If you come in late to that game, it, that's like 24 nothing Georgia, and Florida State hasn't crossed midfield. Obviously, no Jordan Travis, no Rodemaker. You're going to put Brock Lennon there against Georgia. Now Georgia's got their opt-outs too, and I wouldn't lay 20. I know I'm, you know, I don't know what kind of appetite they have for running up the score here, but 
a Florida State team total under 13, 13 and a half at DraftKings. You can basically pick your score, pick your number, and just lay the juice accordingly. I think 13 and a half is is right around where it's at 13 in that range. I just I, I have a hard time seeing that team crack double digits against Georgia. Well, I like the call by Will on that particular play. And if you, as you mentioned at DraftKings, you can move the line accordingly. I would go 14 and a half or 15 just to play it safe in case you get beat by a score and a second one based on a turnover and they get a short score. But I, I like that call. I tend to agree with you. It's hard to back Georgia on the number, but you would expect the Florida State team to really struggle. I'll tell you, I'm surprised Florida State is actually not even – I'm surprised they're showing up for this game. No, if they're I, not. They all left. No, I'm talking about actually just said, you know what, we're not playing in protest. Hell with you guys. Send a message to college yeah. football. What are they going to do? Would they come out and just run, run fullback dive every play or no. do a quarterback – I say, a knee every play, something like I that. say you come out for the coin toss and just walk off the field. Peace. We're out. Have Jair Alexander do the uh, coin toss for you. <laughs> hey, He's we're going to defer to next year. <laughs> no, I, look, well, I, I think it's a great call by you. I mean, when you look at Georgia, too, normally this is a spot where you'd want to fade a Georgia team that's used to playing in national championships. Well, let's calm and, down. And it's two games. years, okay? No, but though all those players are not used to a meaningless bowl game. They're just not used to it. They're coming off back-to-back -back national titles. So normally you'd want to fade them. In this spot, you only have to find ways to back them. And I think your way is a creative way to back Georgia. Yeah, and again, this, this line has gotten away from me. I just... If I had to take it or lay it, I'd probably lay it. It's just yeah. I'm not in the habit no, of laying 20, 20 when three days ago you could have laid 14. That's just that's – that's a bad way of doing business. Yeah, but, like, it, it's been so weird. You, you can be on the wrong and right side of all these line moves right. and they, in, the, in this bowl season sure. where you're like, I got – what was it the other day? It was uh, – oh, it was uh, Boston College. Yeah. Uh, sure. SMU. 10 and a half to 13. And I half. went to sleep. It was 10 and a half. Woke up. It was 12 and a half, 13. I was like, well, I can't bet it now. There were people who got 10 and a half the night before thinking they nailed this thing. They woke up the next day, Will, and Boston College won outright in Fenway. Yeah. Sure, Kansas UNLV. Although Kansas, that actually, that, that came into spread because I remember Saturday, that was 13, 13 and a half. So if you got the early, early numbers on UNLV uh, or on Kansas, that mattered because I think it, it landed right on 13. But that was crazy how that went all the way down to, uh, I was hosting with, uh, with Tim Murray. There's some seven and a halfs popping up. It's like, man, it seems like the quarterback's going to play. That was a strange line movement. So, yeah, you're right. These line moves have been all over the place, and they don't seem to signal anything. It's not You get the best of the number. It doesn't really translate to winning here. All right, we'll get to a lot of your NFL plays here coming up shortly. But, like, when you look at this NFL card, we're closing out the season. We know who these teams are at this point. It feels like a chalky week, which has me concerned with a lot of big favorites out there. What's your vibe overall on the slate before we get into any specific plays from you? I've got a few I like. I, it, it's interesting how they stack the games. Ten games at Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern. You get the one Saturday game, only a few late games on Sunday, nothing on Monday night. But uh, i got a few I like. So, you know, we can get to that. I do still think there's a future out there, a division price that's worth oh. betting. So I don't know if we want to get to that on the other side. That's no. what they call a tease, Dustin. Look, tease we'll do tease. that because I also want to get your thoughts of me and Amal were discussing where I was making the case. I don't understand why Joe Flacco isn't in the MVP conversation because I think, no, the, no, no. I think it's wide open and I think it's insane that just because he hasn't played a bunch of games, he shouldn't be up for the award. He is more valuable to the Browns than anyone. Also, we can talk about the movement in the coach of the year market too when we come back. I want to get your sure. thoughts on Stefanski 
finally upending uh, Campbell as the favorite in that market. Amal is so offended by what I had to say about Flacco. Yeah, let me amend that statement. I was not, he just spoke to me. I was, I was like, what the hell is this guy talking about? The guy's played five games. That's like in baseball. If a guy starts season April 1st and May 20th, you're like, hey, he's the MVP. Cancel the rest of the season. Well, he's not going to win MVP because a guy died and then came back to life. So he's got to win something for this season. It's miraculous. He doesn't have to win anything. He, won, he can win the division, win a Super Bowl. We will touch on that and more. All of Will's picks coming up on the other side of this break. Stick with us. It's VSIN, Sharp Money, the Sports Betting Network. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but with all that anxious energy, they just won't go to sleep. This was my kids every night. But I did find that stories calmed their mind and gave them something to focus on. So six years ago, I created the kids' podcast, Bedtime History, to help solve that problem. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. We have episodes about Jackie Robinson, Neil Armstrong, Maya Angelou, and Sacagawea. Episodes also include topics like space exploration, engineering, the rise and fall of civilizations, and major events like the Civil Rights Movement and the Transcontinental Railroad. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. This week, join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. This week, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. And they'll get NBA League Pass for the rest of the season. Just download the app, use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. That's DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Final segment on a Friday, which means nothing but picks and analysis on the games this weekend for you. Uh, we'll have some college football. I've got a few in the NBA right now as some people being ruled out across the association. And, of course, some NFL plays as well. I have one, two, three, four, at least five props you will find at vcin.com slash picks later today. Also may have more added throughout the weekend. You want to see who's hot, who's on the leaderboard. You want to fade people. You want to follow vcin.com slash picks. Check it out. Use all the tools. Betting splits. Everything's there available for you at the website. So I'm all... Let's begin with college football. I know you're chomping at the bit. You've got some plays coming up. Do you have anything on the Cotton Bowl officially? Have I convinced you to back the Buckeyes? No, uh, I'm going to wait and see, maybe take an end game, but I'm going to stay away from that game. I think there's some better bets over the course of the weekend. Yeah, I'm not going to bet it just because my initial move was I thought Missouri plus six and a half when it first came out, and it moved, shortened up. Now it's back up to five and a half, and my instinct is Ohio State. Because I flip-flopped completely, I'm just going to stay away Tomorrow, though, you will have action on Penn State laying the four and a half five against Ole Miss. Yeah, I like Penn State here, even though you mentioned it uh, without their left tackle. This team is still very good. I think they're underappreciated and underrated all season long. I like the Nittany Lions against uh, Ole Miss in this spot. Lane two and four in his tenure as a college head coach in bowl games. Yeah, I am, I'm going to be on the other side of this one. I think not having Manny Diaz uh, as the defensive coordinator is going to be an issue for Penn State. I think Jackson Dart can do some things that perhaps the Nittany Lions aren't used to seeing. Uh, I think the offense for Ole Miss can move the ball, whereas Penn State, I just don't trust Drew Aller, doesn't take enough shots down the field, and they're still dealing with co-offensive coordinators. But I understand your perspective as well. We'll just be on other sides of that one. Anything else in tomorrow's slate jump out to you that you want to want to put out there? Uh, I like uh, – oh, actually, I'm sorry, that's January 1st. No, go ahead, sorry. Well, what, might as well do it now yeah. in case it moves. Ten, uh, I like tennis – excuse me, I like Iowa against Tennessee. Uh, Nico Imolave is going to get the start for the volunteers here. I think even though Joe Milton is not a great quarterback, I think having a freshman start against a defense like Iowa is going to be a real challenge. I think the Hawkeyes plus the six have a great shot to win this game. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting play because it's like you look at it, you go, how's Iowa going to score? But yeah. I, I think people aren't understanding the Tennessee offense. And it is such a momentum offense where you need to get into a rhythm in that in that uh, the, the spread that they run, the air raid. And I don't think they're going to be able to complete the short passes early on to get their confidence going, to get into a flow against that really awesome Iowa defense. So I totally understand your play there. It's probably going to be a stay away because both teams just are so opposite of what they want to do, like what their intent is. Iowa wants low-scoring defensive football. Tennessee wants to spread it out, get the athletes in space, and make big plays down the field. So I'll probably stay away, but I think your play makes a lot of sense to me because the rhythm won't be there 
there for Tennessee on offense, and that their defense was not very good all season long. Yeah, and just one more play to wrap it up on college football. I like Wyoming. Craig Bowl retiring for the Cowboys in this one. They're playing Toledo. Toledo's 10-2, and two, but that re record is very deceptive. They are not a particularly good football team. The MAC has been as down as I can recall in a few decades, and I think Wyoming at 3.5 in Arizona wins this game in Tucson. Yeah, I'm on Wyoming as well. I laid it. I laid the 3.5. Uh, I've been betting on them all year long. Wiley, the, the running back, was awesome all year. Peasley, the quarterback, was solid. I uh, I didn't even look if they were playing. I'm pretty sure they are. Harrison Whaley's playing. Yeah. Um, and Craig Bowles' final game. That's the handicap. That It's as simple as that for me. Uh, I do have another game tomorrow, and I'm getting the worst of the number, but I'm okay with it, and this kind of – goes with my Ole Miss bet where I back the SEC versus the Big Ten a lot of times. There I back the dog, and this one I'm backing the favorite. I'm laying six and a half with Auburn. I know that sounds weird. Everyone's remembering Auburn losing to New Mexico State and not understanding the situation there in the sandwich spot with Alabama and the Iron Bowl on the other side of that. So we saw a lackluster performance from the Tigers. They can run the ball. And when it comes to Maryland, you look at the opt-outs. They have a bunch of opt-outs, but the, obviously the most glaring one is, is uh, Talia Tagovailoa. I never say the name right. Uh, he is out at quarterback for them, and I don't think they have the pieces to keep pace with an Auburn rush attack that should run all over them. Peyton Thorne is not only a good passer, he's a dual threat. Not, he's not a good passer. He is a good rusher of the football. I mean, they limit Maryland's possessions with his ability to run. Jarquez Hunter is their top running back, ran for 865, seven touchdowns on the ground. And I just think that Maryland doesn't have the, the caliber of athletes to hang, even though it's Hugh Freeze's first year in Auburn. I like Auburn laying the six and a half against Maryland. I tend to agree with you. I haven't played this yet, but Talia being out for Maryland is a huge blow. I just don't think they can overcome it, and I don't see any They weren't good with him. Yeah, exactly. So he's gone. I don't even know what we're getting into. Billy Edwards is 41 yards. Uh, as the backup quarterback, more of a Wildcat type. Freshman Cameron Edge has thrown three passes this year. Their running game is eh. And the defense isn't very good against the run. 79th defensive rush success rate, 90th in defensive EPA per running play. I really like Auburn tomorrow, and it sounds crazy, but that's the vibe I'm on at the moment. All right, that'll do it for the college plays. Let's move over to the NFL. I'll just run through these real quick. Colts first half, minus two and a half against the Raiders. Seahawks first half, minus two and a half against the Steelers. Uh, the Dolphins plus three and a half against Baltimore. Amal hates all three of those plays, so I'll move on to my prop bets. I went over the Kyron Williams play, why I liked it. I also like Chris Olave. I mentioned that over 66 and a half receiving yards. Uh, DeAndre Swift, over 68 and a half rushing yards for Philly. I mentioned it with Kansas City getting back to basics, working Kelsey in. We'll also make that an official play. I think for Philly, part of getting right is going to be feeding Swift the football. They're facing Arizona, allows the most rush attempts, second most rush yards, fourth most rushing touchdowns to running backs. I think DeAndre Swift, 68 and a half, is a little too low. Thought it was going to be into the 70s. He's coming off 92 yards against the Giants. And you look at the last few weeks against Arizona, everyone has gotten off against them. Herbert, 20 for 112. CMC, 18 for 115. The two guys from Pittsburgh combined for over 120. Kyron Williams, 143. Singletary, 112. Bijan for 95. I think DeAndre Swift gets his. It's one of my favorite prop plays of the weekend. 
I like the call there. I mean, some of these props you've had some good success with. Find which ones work for you out there if you're looking to bet them. Throw in one more NFL play real quickly. I love the Chiefs. Six and a half right now against the Bengals. I think they're going to cover this number pretty comfortably. They bounce back after a three-game home losing streak. Yeah, and I'll be on Travis Kelsey. Over 64 and a half receiving yards. I think he needs to be involved. And Cincinnati is horrific defending tight ends. Uh, they are feasting against, him every week, against them every week couple more props to run through before we say goodbye here. A bit of a two-minute drill on the way out. Bijan Robinson taking on the Bears. Chicago allows the most receiving yards to running backs right under 60 yards per game. They also allow the second most receptions. I think he's going to be able to run a little bit and catch the ball for some big chunk plays against them. We'll go over 72 and a half combo yards for Bijan. He's had a lot of games where he's been involved in both the passing and the rushing attack. He's coming off a 122 a week ago. The week before that wasn't great. But when you look at his game logs dating back to week 11, 88.66 combined average the last six weeks. That's well over the 72 and a half where it's set today. So I'm going to go over on him. And then one final play for me on the way out. Debo Samuel, over 57 and a half receiving yards. They're taking on the commanders of the Niners. Washington's secondary has been horrible all year long. They no longer have a pass rush. Quarterbacks are just sitting back in the pocket and picking them apart. Receivers are having monster days against this secondary. When you look at this, commanders allow the most receiving yards to wide receivers, 191 per contest. Debo Samuel, fourth in the NFL in yak per reception overall at 9.1. And everyone in front of him, only has three or four receptions. He has 53. So technically, he is the yak leader if you want to set a qualifier for a, a minimum number of receptions. Washington, second worst versus slot receivers. A little bit better versus wideouts. They like to hide Debo in the slot and get mismatches and use him that way. Uh, I think Debo has a really big day. And when Brock Purdy's not going right, he looks for him in the passing game. Over 57 and a half on Debo Samuel. Like the call there, Debo Samuel is going to be a factor here. I've always been a big fan of his, what he's able to do. He's just an ultimate threat. All right. Well, that will do it. That's a lot of plays. I do have three NBA ones. I'm not going to do a lot of analysis here. Uh, DeAnthony Melton over 23.5 points, rebounds, and assists. Embiid's out. He benefits the most. Malcolm Brogdon over 23.5 points. No Simons, no Aiton, no Sharp for Portland tonight. San Antonio second most points to point guards allowed. And then Jalen Suggs over 12.5 points. Those are all my plays. There's a lot of them, but that's what happens when it's going well. I imagine I'm coming in here on Monday and telling you I lost all of them because it's going too well. All right. Well, that was fun. We'll see you again Monday on Sharp Money. For Amal, I'm Dustin. Coming up next, you've got Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel. It's VEASAN Primetime. Happy New Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.